Welcome everyone to the dance floor where life lessons are learned through the art of dance. I'm your host, Anna Harsh, and I have two special guests with me today. Mr. and Mrs. Morota, Connie, and her husband, Tony, are here with me today. Welcome to the dance floor, everyone. Ciao, Anna. Ciao, Anna. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Uh, this is the first time I've had two people on my podcast at the same time, so we're going to see how this works, right? <laughs> Try not to fight. <laughs> so are we. Well, I am so glad that you guys are here. Um, tell my listeners a little bit about yourselves. Like, where are you living right now, and what do you guys do for a living? We live in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. It is a suburb of Cleveland. Um, currently, I'm working at the Cleveland Clinic. I'm a secretary there. And I don't know, I've been born, I was born in Euclid and my parents are from Italy. Nice. And Tony? Now my turn. Uh, all right. Uh, I uh, was born in Cleveland, Ohio, just uh, like my wife. Yes, as she said, we live in the uh, eastern uh, Cleveland suburb of Mayfield Heights, uh, about a half hour from downtown proper. And um, my parents are from the, actually the same region that Connie's parents are from. That would be Molise which I like to refer to as the West Virginia part of Italy. I, I know, I'm not supposed to use that joke. But anyhow, um, it, uh, my parents uh, immigrated from Italy to the United States in the late 50s. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, dad came when? Oh, in the 40s. He was 17 when he came from Late Italy. 40s. And my mother-in-law came in the early 60s, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So and- we are true first-generation Italian-American. Wow. So I know that we all, we've talked about this before on um, your station, on Tony, on a little bit on your radio station. Tell my listeners a little bit about that station and the special things that you play on, on your radio station that you work for. Oh, I'm very glad to. Thank you, Anna. Um, I host uh, a radio uh, program on WRUWFM 91.1, uh, and it's called Radio Italia of Cleveland. Uh, we broadcast from the campus of a uh, university here in the Cleveland area. It's called Case Western Reserve University. And uh, I've been doing so since uh, about uh, May of 2008. Previously, uh, a few years before that, from uh, 2005 till the end of 2007, I was actually at a different radio station, a commercial radio station. Uh, and the name of the program there was Italia, Ieri, Oggi e Domani. And uh, when we kind of transitioned from the commercial radio station to the college radio stations, uh, it, it allowed us an opportunity to change our, our, our strategy, shall we say. First of all, we didn't have to worry about selling uh, ads for airtime because we were non-commercial. So we could uh, concentrate, focus solely on music, which is really what myself and my ex-co-host, uh, Nick Zappatelli, uh, what we were uh, planning on doing and um you know from the very beginning we 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 set a format that we wanted to follow and we haven't really deviated from that myself now then by myself over the last 15 years now by golly and uh really what it amounts to is me keeping the the conversation to a minimum unless it's in the form of an interview like we've uh, had the opportunity to interview you live in the studio and other people uh, but otherwise, uh, generally speaking, what we do is we play uh, a more contemporary-based uh, type of, uh, of show. Yes, we still adhere to some of the wonderful folklore music that you can take and dance to. I know dancing is important to you, uh, young lady. And uh, so, um, uh, but, but we also like to take and introduce uh, uh, 
some contemporary artists to our listeners that they may not have had a chance to listen to before. And I'm a very strong proponent, Anna, of dealing with uh, independent artists, those that aren't signed to a, a big music label, let's say, uh, that you're going to hear a lot anyways uh, in Italy. And, um, and these artists are generally very receptive and very appreciative of the fact that there's some guy in Cleveland, Ohio. It's interesting. You have to explain to some of these people in Italy sometimes what country Ohio is in. So we tell them it's in the United States. Right. And, and, and they're very grateful for the, for the time that we get, for the exposure that we get. I kind of do the same thing with Allegro. I like looking for somebody that's not well known and that is an upcoming talent, you know, coming up through the ranks and working their way up to, you know, a bigger name stage or a bigger company to dance for. And um, one of my dancers that I had on tour with us last year he got on as an extra in a Denzel Washington movie recently. So uh, you never know what your break is, you yeah, know? Exactly, so exactly. I, I be, I'm a strong believer in that too. I love that you have special guests on. And um, I know you've interviewed a lot of people and I know Connie's been on uh, your show as well and, and talked to several guests and filled in for you and, and that sort of thing. How does that work? How do you get your guests and, and do you have a special <laughs> one? that you, Anna, you love. If, if I were to tell you that, <laughs> that, that I strategically plan things, I'd be lying to you. <laughs> I've, I've been very blessed throughout this entire radio adventure to just, you know what? I don't find the music. The music finds me is kind of like the approach that I take. And so uh, I'm researching every day. Every day I spend at least uh, anywhere from half an hour to an hour just investigating uh, any particular avenue of Italian music. And that usually leads me to these wonderful discoveries that I make of these artists that, uh, uh, again, uh, are fly below the radar, so to speak. And uh, when, when that happens, I reach out to them. And they're usually very incredulous. They're, they don't take me quite seriously like the kids from Aruspica. You know, uh, Marco, the male uh, part of this duo, uh, was telling his uh, partner at the time, they weren't married yet, that, you know, this is one of our friends from Venice. Leave him alone, he'll go away. But I did tell him, well, if you click on this link tonight between such and such a time, uh, that you'll hear your music. And they did, and they realized, wow, you're for real. What, what I also do, too, Anna, which is quite interesting, and I think you know this, is that I, I write for our regional Italian-American newspaper called, like I said, the Italiana. And I've been writing for them on an almost regular basis now since 2009. So it's, it's been already uh, over wow. 11 years. And what I do there is I take and I, I uh, compose a monthly uh, music article on, on an Italian music artist. Yes, many of them might be some of the larger uh, big artists that maybe you're familiar with, like Laura Pausini or Eros Ramazzotti. But you know what? I'll take the time to write about some of these. And the Italian word is sconosciuti, which means unknown artists. And again, they're the ones that are generally the most appreciative. And they say, Tony, this article is so wonderful that you wrote on us. Can we use it in our publicity uh, you know, materials? I said, you're welcome to it. Wow. Here's the link to the PDF, to the, uh, to the newspaper itself, and make use of it in any way that you want. So I I'm always trying to immerse myself you know, in the aspect of music in whatever capacity. And for a while, too, Anna, I had a side business, part-time, almost a hobby, 
where I was selling Italian music on CDs. And I began that business in 2002, and I only shuttered it uh, like just over maybe two years ago because the curve, if you will, of uh, sure. music and CDs has sort of reached uh, its its end as people now are getting music through electronic means and stuff. But that was another way that I was able to take. And I, I had over 40 retail locations, bakeries and delis, where I would have my music uh, on consignment. And, and you know what? It allowed me to, again, share my music uh, interests and tastes you know, with people. We, we dancers call that the hustle. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you, you, you do what you got to do to hustle, you know, and you get your things out there. Um, I've, I've had Allegro so long that we started out with cassette tapes, so I feel you. Uh, and then we moved into CD. Uh, we had a few years we had live musicians with us, but, but that's really challenging for a dance company, a small dance company like mine, um, to keep up with for, you know, to pay everybody enough what they deserve to perform. And then now we've moved into that digital phase where everything is sort of either on my phone or on a little tiny, you know, memory disc and we just insert it into their computer and that's how our show is run. That was challenging, I have to say, throughout the years to dance to cassette because we never knew if it was going to be played <laughs> slow or fast. <laughs> So yeah, uh, it's really great now because we can depend on the beat of the music <laughs> where we couldn't depend on that in the early 90s. So that was challenging enough. But tell my listeners, how did you guys meet? Did you meet uh, about music? How did you, the two of you meet? It's uh, rather interesting. Um, <laughs> let's just say that uh, mutual uh, family and friends uh, arranged a sort of a meetup. Meet Shall we okay. say? Um, what happened was uh, Connie was the bridesmaid in her sister's wedding, and so she went to this one woman who is a seamstress. And uh, I happened to have a pair of pants that I needed to have shortened, so uh, I happened to be there that evening that she was having her uh, her uh, dress, you know, uh, adjusted. And uh, I struck up a conversation with her, and uh, you wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah, right. After exactly. That. I just I kind so of like, I came. So she came and love right, first, you know, I found out, Love at first fitting. <laughs> and that, I like that. That's good. It, uh, he had to work for it. <laughs> I, I, I found that there were a lot of commonalities there, which were very important to me. First of all, she could cook. 30 pounds later, I could testify to that fact. You know, she spoke the language as well as I did, which is not particularly well, but good enough to at least get by. And, and, and she was working, too. So at that point, I was ready to post, but I figured... You know, I didn't want to scare her on our first meeting there. So I waited three months before I began wow. discussions of, of marriage with her. And it, it, there's a real cute story. I, I took her to a sort of swanky restaurant here in, in, in the Cleveland downtown area of Swingles. And um, every course of the meal had alcohol. In it. <laughs> and it was also type of restaurant. They had a strolling violinist. So, you know, what did I have to lose? So, right, that's romantic uh, I, I, right there. You know, and I, I didn't propose to her by, by, by you know, asking her. I, I kind of, in the you course... kind of told me. Yeah, in, in, in the course of speaking with her as I was planning the future, I said, now look, when we get married later... I'm like, what? what? And she sobered up real quick. It was funny when I dropped her off, she told me this later, that her mother asked her how the date went, and she said, I, it went good, but I, I, I think he proposed. <laughs> what do you mean you think he proposed? Well, he didn't actually say, will you marry me? He just said when we get married. 
So my mother-in-law thought that might have been, you know, any, it, it might have been the wine, it might have been the pre-dinner aperitif, it might have been the post-dinner uh, amaretto, whatever, what the, the, the flaming cherries jubilee. So uh, she decided to call me out on it uh, on next date, uh, like the next Tuesday or so, and said to me, uh, uh, Tony, the other night at Swingles, did you remember that? Well, oh, sure, we had a great time. Wasn't it wonderful? The great meal, the violin music, all the yeah, alcohol. Yeah, but... Yeah, uh, you may, well, I want to ask you something. You had said something about when we get married. Uh, was, that a, was that like a proposal? I said, well, kind of. I mean, don't you want to get married? And she said, oh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. I just thought you might be more, you know, uh, traditional about it. And that, that's far from what I am. Anna. You've known me now. Uh, that's a great like story. <laughs> Speaking of cooking, Connie, I know that um, uh, you've introduced me to some great bakeries and things in Little Italy there in Cleveland. And I'm always like saying, hey, what about this recipe and that sort of recipe? Do you have something that you have a go-to recipe that you're like, I'm, I love to cook or this is the dish that I, I love to make. There's a lot of stuff that I like, you know, that I, I'll make. Um, we just recently went to, there's a restaurant in town called Marotas um, that we just went to last Friday and had a, a, a great meal there, which was like the first time we actually went out with all this COVID stuff. So it was the first time right. we actually went anywhere. And the owner started that uh, she had some great recipes and uh, she was very inspiring to me. And she unfortunately had passed away about three and a half years ago unexpectedly, but her husband, he still maintains it. So I post a lot of pictures from when we go there and everybody thinks, is this your restaurant? Because <laughs> they know I could I cook. I'm like, no, it's not, it's, it's not. But um, there's a lot of things I like. I will make, a veal scallopini, which is nice, or veal piccata, actually. And more like, that's one of my favorite things to make because it's so easy and quick. I'll make like a vodka blush sauce, which is really good and easy to make. And, you know, or like an Alfredo sauce. Those are, that's easy and quick, you know, when you're working. Pesto. Yeah. Pesto, you know, sometimes they totally make stuff from scratch, which I haven't had much time to do. But And I'll do cheat with certain things. I admit it. Sure. I admit it. It's not, you know, and, and I like to bake and I've been trying to stay away from baking. Right I know baking, baking will take you down a rabbit hole that then you're like, well, maybe if I added this and then I can make these cookies and then I can make these, this cake, oh, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's addicting. <laughs> it's very addicting. And I haven't made in a while, like pignoli cookies. There's a really nice recipe that, um, Lydia Bastianich has for pignoli cookies. They're just really expensive to make. The pignolis are very, very pricey. And, well, um, I usually make, in fact, we've been making it um, every couple of weeks or so. My family used to make tiela, um, which is like oh, a, just a, yeah, like roasted okay. potatoes and peppers and onions and yeah, a little bit yeah. of tomato sauce. Yeah, and you just yeah, bake yeah. it. Yeah, my mom does something similar to that. She used to do a lot of stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just, it was those things that they had out of the garden and then straight into the oven, you know, you clean them up and cut and it and, so, and into like, the oven. Like polenta, if we go to a restaurant and I see polenta, I'm like, no, I'm out of here. Because I've done that. <laughs> There's a funny story about that one. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, I'm not making, I'm not ordering polenta. You know, I can make polenta it is fine for us at home here. It's a very uh, simple Italian comfort, comfort food, food, if you will. Right. Uh, 
and uh, one thing that Connie was amazed of was, was that when we first met, she wanted to know what my 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 appetite was like, you know, my my culinary interests, you know, the foods mm -hmm. I want to eat. And, and I basically rattled off all the peasant type of dishes, like the right. macaroni and beef, the pasta fagiolo, the polenta, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't mention steaks or anything like that because that's just not how we were raised. My, that's my right. That's, again, that's not how we grew up. <laughs> right, right. So uh, uh, th th those types of, 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 of food, you know, will will do uh, are, we, I do are like for me. I, I do comfort food, too. And then I'll, you know, I'll come up with stuff like the other night I made a meatloaf and you know I just but it wasn't a traditional meatloaf I threw like roasted red pepper in there you know it just I mean it's it's just simple ingredients think, you know I think Italians make meatloaf sort of like it's like a meatball in disguise <laughs> yeah there's yeah and you use what you have you know right, so I'm right. like I'm like okay I've got some ground beef I've got some eggs I got a little bit of milk I've got some good olive oil I have salt and pepper I have an a little bit of grated Romano cheese, you know, and, and or pecorino, you know, whatever. And, and and then I threw in the roasted peppers and I'm like, oh, why not? You know, just toss it in. It and, was good. And, and it was it's good. gone. Doesn't last yeah. long. It's, gone. it's, it's gone. As soon as it's out of the oven, it's usually gone. Well, we I have started. There was a little left for the next day and that, and that was it. That's, yeah, that's about as far as it'll last. We have started another garden. My husband and I have tomatoes and peppers and lettuce and and some herbs that we've started to plant again in a bigger space now. So we're excited to see that grow and kind of, you know, start picking and harvesting this, this summer and fall. Do you guys have something that you always plant every year? Well, the soil here is, is not so great in our area right now. You have to do a lot of conditioning and you need a lot of patience. I don't have that. I'm just not. Bayfield Heights is situated sort of on a uh, clay-based uh, soil. Yeah, yeah. So you would have to really work it over repeatedly over and over again. And when you do that enough, then you start to exhaust the, the soil. And I won't lie to you, Anna. Let me tell you and your listeners the truth. I do not have a green thumb. Okay? I have a black thumb. Okay. I kill everything. My late grandmother, who we moved next door to when we first bought the house back in 1990 uh at the time was in her late 70s maintained the garden in her yard it was huge that was the size of you know half a football field it's a huge well not that big and but uh, it's a, her she had a double lot so her garden was really like the size of our backyard right and and, oh, wow. and all sorts yeah, of stuff grew in everything. there. Everything. She had the fig tree. She had the tomatoes. She had the onions. So she, she had garlic. more than what she ever needed. So oh. we would normally get a phone call from her. From her. Hey, mommy, I fetch that la finestra. Thing qualcosa per se, which translates into, uh, you know. She's so cute. Honey, go to the window. I've got something for you, Ann. It was, and I knew, like, okay, I got to go do something. I got to get to the door and go to the yard. A lot of pleasant and, surprises and, from my maternal grandmother. Yeah, she was so cute. I miss her. And that, so she, and so a lot of family, you know, my mom has a little smaller garden. She, she lives near the lake. So she lives near Lake Erie. And it's a little different. The soil is slightly better there and you don't have to condition it as much as here and um so it i don't know if it's because of the altitude or or you know just maybe the, just because of the nearness of the water you know it's um it's just different there 
And so it's like, you want, you want, a, you want a some peso? Take it to peso. I got lots of peso, you know. Oh my God, I can do too good this year. The tomato, they don't want to come yet. You know, it's like, you know, you hear those stories like that. My grandparents, tough. growing up, my grandparents, their whole, just about their whole backyard was basically a garden. So yeah. as a child, I was uh, able to take a basket and pick all of the tomatoes and peppers and things with my grandfather. Um, so I do remember those days. And then I remember canning those things once we got it all in, you know, we then my aunt was like, right, well, it's time to can now, you know. <laughs> so I remember okay. doing that as a child, for sure. And now uh, I'm really thankful for a garden. Those, those traditions are super important. And, and, and I'm so glad that, that, that you try to uh, maintain them. Uh, my father was fairly good with the garden, but as he, you know, kind of got up in the years, uh, he, he seemed to be less inclined to want to grow his own garden. He only tried making homemade wine one time, and it didn't come out particularly well. Him and his father-in-law, my, my, my maternal grandfather, and uh, so it was easier for him just to go to the Italian food store at the top of the street here <laughs> and buy some vino crebati, you know, a four-bottle, a, a four <laughs> uh, you know, box, uh, four gallons worth. And uh, uh, But you know what? The sausage, I remember my dad for a while making sausage. All those traditions have, have passed through me as well as through Connie and stuff. It, it, it becomes a bit more difficult to maintain just because of the lifestyle, the situation that we're in and stuff. Sure. Uh, it's a challenge. But whatever we can do, and I, and I will share with you one thing that Connie does do. And let me ask you first, Anna, around Easter time, is there a particular uh, pastry or something that, that where your family came from makes? Yes, we make Easter bread. Do you guys make bread? All right, here's what we make. We make a, uh, and Connie has learned my mother's recipe, uh, a, uh, a, uh, an item, a pastry, I guess you would call it. Yeah called fiatone, F-I-A-T-O-N-E, which kind of means like big breath. And in the dialect, it becomes chatone. And uh, my mother's recipe uh, in, was, was, was the most simplest kind where you, you, you created like a... There was a lot of ingredients. A lot of ingredients, yeah. but you created this shell that almost like a, a, a calzone. There you go. Almost like, a, you know, how they uh, calzone yeah, sandwiches are like. So cheese, yeah. uh, stuff in this, this shell would be ricotta cheese mixed mm -hmm. with fresh cheese. And my mother usually made it with golden raisins. So uh, she, wow. uh, Connie obtained the recipe from my mom's younger sister who knew how to write uh, English better. And uh, she actually had it written down. Written down, exactly. A lot of them, a lot of people don't write the no. recipes down. I was going to say, to pry a recipe away from them, good for you, because and they were very proud of it. Okay, so it, but it had like a lot of stuff. That, so I had... She improved it. I, well, what I did was I found another recipe similar that had uh, pared down some of these ingredients. And when, you know, there's a science to baking. And so when I, I took a look at this and I experimented, and so I took a little from one and then a little from the other, for the the shell part okay the it and then you know i tried and then i did the filling part mostly with what my mother-in-law did and um i think it came out pretty good and everybody seems to like it like she used to have crisco in there and crisco makes it's better for pies because it makes it flake well when we would put the crisco in i noticed these things would like you know break split open and you know everything would ooze out and it's like you know it's not supposed to do that so i kind of like tweaked it 
And so I made it my own. And, it's, and it's, over the years, what yeah. she's done is that she has now discovered that we don't have to use golden raisins. We can use raisins, dried cherry, dried blueberries, dried mangoes, and the wow. smorgasbord of different dried fruits in there is has has become a hit in my family. Everybody wants one of Connie's Chardon, but she only makes six of them. So, uh, you know. Yeah, the recipe makes six. And, and, and you end up, you know, the filling, it's like you end up... Um, using quart of filling per one of these. See, they're, they're, they come out big. So it's about, they come out about 12 inches by six inches when you, wow. when you fold them, you got the half moon shape. So it's approximately 12 by six, and inside it's filled, filled with a, a quart of at least of filling. And so I've learned now, so I make like one plain without the fruit, and then I'll make one with the golden raisins, blueberries, cherry, craisins, and now mangoes. The one we wow. and that was delicious. I was I was going to try. I'll just try with one. She then vacuum so, packs them, Anna, and you know what? They hold up very well in the freezer, even a year later. You take them out, defrost them. They got too no, no freezer burn, and they taste as fresh as the do day you, they came. Do you serve that like a piece of pie, or how do you serve that? Like, do you well, cut you, it? You, you, you yeah, you cut it. And then you cut it like into small pieces and I cut them in like dice, like in a diamond pattern. That's how my mother-in-law would do it. Okay. And, um, and so Stack really them on a plate, put the plate on the table and watch them disappear. Yeah. It's really good with <laughs> coffee, you know, like a little espresso, so, you know, or in the morning you could have like a cappuccino. And then when you come back, we will have a shadow. I was going to say, hopefully. Myself, myself and all of my listeners are now like, watering mouths you know like we really would like all of this food that we're talking about if you well, go to my facebook page you might if you go back far enough for pictures i have i have like pictures where it's like when i'm baking it like i have the ingredients out you know sorted nice. and, and then you know then like a picture of like um when they come out how they look that kind of thing so it it, it it's a thing that takes like all day to make yes. basically sure oh yeah that was an all-day kind of day for th for yes. things like this. I can remember we blocked off a whole day. My aunts would come over to my mom and dad's house, and <laughs> that's all we did all day was bake Easter hey. bread and things and prepare for the holidays. It was part of like the family experience. You know, it's truly yeah. one of those traditions that you just—that's what that families do. Together. Get together. Yeah, yeah. I I have to prep for this. It takes like like. Um, a few days, like what I do is, you know, you have to put that cheese, it's very moist. So you have to like drain that. So you yeah. put it in like, you know, a colander or like, you know, you put like a um, cover it with a little bit of weight. So it just starts to drain. And, right. and I do that for two, three days in advance, depending on how moist the stuff is. And then also use like fresh cheese that you can only get like in the springtime. Okay. Because that fresh farmer cheese, whatever you want to call it, you know, yeah. It's, it's hard to come by and you usually only get it in the springtime. So, you know, you, you do that too. And it's a little heavier and uh, fatter and it's all good. It's all good stuff. Listen, I would, I would live in a house of cheese if I could, because <laughs> all cheese is good cheese. <laughs> yep. So if it wasn't for my six quart KitchenAid mixer, I don't think I could do isn't that funny? I don't how, know how they ever did this without that. I was just going to say, technology has made baking and cooking so easy that I, I'm thinking now, how did my grandmother survive? She had, like, my mm -hmm. mom's mother had nine children, and she made everything by hand and scratch. Right. And like, they, their arms, so their arms, they had arms. They had a lot of strength Dang, in their arms. Man. I don't know how they did it. And I don't have that kind of hand strength like they did. Honest to God, but. 
but you know, I, think, I, I don't think I'm cheating, but you know, but yeah, I mean, so when you make, when you use the ricotta, I mean, it, it takes time. It takes, like I said, it takes all day. You have all those prep work. The prep work is what kills you. The assembly is nothing. Right. You know, it's all the prep work. And it's then, all the prep work. And that's like dance and music. It's like all the prep work. And then yes. once you get to the show, it's nothing. But the Great prep work is the real right. work. Yeah, for sure. Right. I think and that's like, how I actually learned how to braid hair was because when I was little, I used to braid bread. And yeah. then my grandmother said, that's, you know, that's how you can braid your hair. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just learned how to braid. So <laughs> it's amazing that the, the tips that you learn, you know, just by doing these art forms, music or dance or baking, you're right. It's all of that is creativity and you learn so much from it. And I think we learn a lot of what I always talk about on the podcast is life lessons. Like you said, that preparation is a lot of hard work. And that's where yeah. everything is learned, you know, is in that preparedness. Yeah. So the reward is so great, though, in the end. It really absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, and once you taste your work, right? Once that work is tasted, you're like, this was worth Or you see your work or you hear the work. Absolutely. It's If you guys had advice to give to the next generation, you know, a life lesson that you guys have learned, you know, what would you tell the next generation to look out for or a tip or advice? I would say, well, it's probably easier said than done is, is try not to stress about it, you know? Yeah. It's okay. You know, don't make yourself crazy over it. You just do the best you can, for sure. you know, and prepare yourself, you know, and, and, and go with it. And you know yeah. what? With our sons, okay, especially our, our, our older boy, Alessandro, we've tried to stress the importance of, of uh, taking ownership, you know, accountability, responsibility, and active interest in things. And uh, both our boys had issues when they were growing up. Our younger son is nonverbal autistic, so that's going to be a lifelong, uh, you know, sort of a, a journey for us. But our, our, our older son was speech delayed. And so, um, you know, th there were challenges in that regard there. You know, you can buy all the books you want, but each child is unique. So you have to figure out how to apply, you know, whatever it is, uh, certain techniques, you know, to their upbringing that will help advance them. And for me, it was reading to them, playing of music. And I think what that did was that uh, helped give them a little bit of the grounding that they have now a, a days. And, uh, but it wasn't anything that I was going to force down their throat, something they can't do. If, if you're fortunate enough, if you're blessed enough where you have to get that, uh, that pay attention, okay, that, that take an active interest in dancing, let's say, right. take an active interest in cooking. Uh, Alessandro was always in the kitchen around Connie, so he can fend for himself in the kitchen, unlike his father who would die without somebody <laughs> that talent. Okay. Water. Or, 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 you know what? He is now fluent. He's a second generation Italian American and, and he speaks and, and reads, uh, you know, the language, but that's all a choice that he made that he wanted because right. uh, you my, have to my, present my, them their choices. Like you said, present <laughs> choices and give them some options that they can choose from to learn. And I think that's great. Uh, reading my mom read to me and I just was enamored with storytelling. And I think that's what 
captivated me as a dancer. It, it was a way for me to tell a story in a different way without using words. So I have a lot of students that learn in different ways. You know, sometimes they'll hear the word, like if I'm teaching a ballet class, they'll hear the French word plie or tendu, and they know what to do. And there's other dancers that I teach that they're like, can you show it to me one more time? They need to see it visually. Mm -hmm. And so that's great too. So as a teacher, I have to adapt. Like you said, everybody learns differently and everybody has that. No wrong way. Way. And there's right. no wrong way or no right way. Either, that's right. Know, it's your way. It's whatever works for you. Like, you know, growing up, my mom, her English, and even to this day, is not so great. And, but she knew that for us, reading was important. And so we were a bunch of bookworms. We, my mom had us enrolled in two different libraries. Wow. And every, every other day, we were always at one library or the other. And, and she learned a lot of English because of us taking us to the library. And, you know, we would read to them. And, and I was a speed reader. I would read like summer reading. Oh, my God, I couldn't fill it up enough of those cards that they would give you. I don't know if you ever had anything like that, but we, the library would give us like a, a blank, you know, uh, card and we would write in the name and the author and what did you like about the book? And it depending on what age level you were at. I was going to say so, mine was we, colors or, or levels or something that we went through. Yeah. 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 And, and it was really cool. And at the end, if you read X amount of number of books, you were rewarded with like a Disney movie. But see, now that's totally different. But back then, you know, like, you know, 50 That was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Right. And, you know, in two different libraries, it's like, oh, I've read these books, or this set of books, you know, this week from this place, and this set from that. And, and it was fun, you know, and it was kind of neat because it helped my mom in a way because we would, yeah. we went to school, I, I went to kindergarten and I only knew the alphabet in Italian and I could say it in Italian. And, you know, so, and they'd look at me because it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Anna, the situation that our parents came from post-World War II, um, it, it was such that they really were compelled to have to leave the country and immigrate to the U.S. just for a, a better life. My parents, because of the fascist government, were only allowed to have three years of education. So imagine going to third grade and then being told, okay, that's enough for you to be able to, you know, read at a third grade, write at a third grade, and speak at a third grade level, and that's all we want. And uh, my father-in-law was fortunate that he was able to come here much younger and did actually finish high school. But uh, ordinarily for the immigrants, and I'm not sure if this was the same way for, for, for your grandparents when they came here, you know, they came here, the old saying was senza legge, senza parlare, senza scrivere. So without the ability to read, write, or speak right. language. Right. And you didn't have the option of press two for Italian on the phone back in the, the days. <laughs> for if sure, you know. yeah. My grandparents learned English through watching television. My grandmother loved the boat and like days of our lives and, you know, shows of some kind of soap opera and she would be wrapped up in it and she would learn words each day. And, you know, so when I went to my grandparents' house, Italian, you know, and I wasn't fluent. I mean, I was really, really young. I was probably under the age of 10. You know, they, they lived until the early eighties. Um, and then they both passed away. But um, so when I would go to their house, you know, she would speak to me in Italian and I just kind of understood what to do. Um, so that's how I kind of learned Italian. That was like my, you know, way in. Uh, we would watch movies together, uh, musicals together, all kinds of things and just sing and, and laugh together. So yeah, 
you know, that was hard for them, but they, they did it. They learned English as best they could and communicated with the next generation. So, you know, here we are today talking about that. I talk my whole shows about it. Sure, sure. They made it work. Connie's paternal grandmother and my maternal grandmother both lived to ripe old ages. I mean, in their late 90s. And between two of them, if they knew half the, if they knew a dozen words in English, I would have been surprised. But you know what? They were able to communicate, you know, through their heart and through their actions with their children, their grandchildren, even their right. great grandchildren. And that's, that's something that I would never trade in. And I just want to say that, that one thing that I was taught by some of the uh, uh, more seasoned broadcasters back in the day when I first kind of got into radio was that, Tony, just remember this proverbial proverb, if you will. Okay, people are probably not going to remember anything that you said or anything that you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. And you know what? When you dance, it's kind of the same thing. They may not remember what it was that you danced, but they'll remember how wonderful it was. And, and the oh, feeling what? from the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The feeling from the show. And we always, we try to have themes every year um, to have some kind of one thread that goes from the top of the show to the bottom of the show. And we mm -hmm. leave the audience with some kind of nugget of education or emotion or something that they've learned from the Italian culture, whether it's, you know, an authentic dance that we've learned from Italy um, or just something about the culture and what we do as people and how we relate to others or what things are important to us as a culture, you know, family, See, faith. Of, what you're saying now is that you and I both were tasked with maintaining our culture. Okay. You through the, you know, the art of dance and me through the music and stuff so that it, it doesn't disappear. Okay. Right. I wanted my older son to learn the Italian language so that uh, nobody could say that it ended with, with my family. Okay. That makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, right. I, so I was made, you know, I made sure that, and Connie made sure through the cooking and the baking that she does that, that Alessandro was exposed to as much as uh, of his Italianita as possible. And then, you know, we left it up to him whether he wanted to continue it. And, and he has chosen to do that. And we're extremely proud of him. Yeah. It makes, this year makes 100 years ago that my grandparents got married. And I saw it. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, so I can't imagine, you know, coming to this country. Well, one set of grandparents were had an arranged marriage, and the other set of grandparents um, had an arranged marriage, but my grandmother didn't like the person that she was supposed to marry. So <laughs> her best friend said, Well, I'll marry you. You know, we know each other, we're friends, and we're from the same town, and I'll marry you, and we'll make it work. Well, they made nine children, so I think they made it work. <laughs> that worked. They made it work. <laughs> it's so I, cute. I think that uh, I always like to say that's where my journey began. <laughs> you know, so if if she didn't make those choices, if they didn't make those choices to leave their country to be with each other, we 
wouldn't be here today. We just wouldn't be here. Bingo. Well, right. And, and have these well. opportunities to share our culture and, and art forms and language and all of that food, the whole bit. Here we are. Right. You. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and chat some more about culture and music and dance. And uh, maybe Connie can spill one more recipe for me. Looking for ways to get fit or learn a unique dance style? Go to AllegraDanceCompany.net and sign up for a private lesson today where you can take your dance and fitness to the next level. Remember, we also offer virtual classes that are available. Go to AllegraDanceCompany.net for more information. And now back to our show. So, Tony, you were telling us a little bit about um, passing on those traditions to your children and to the next generation um, what would you say for advice, like we were talking about giving tips or advice to that next generation, um, maybe through music, you have that musician maybe listening right now, and how can he or she break into that uh, music industry? It's the art, especially now, are, because they've been like one of the hardest hit industries because of this uh, COVID situation, but even prior to that. Uh, music is, um, is, it's so challenging, okay? Uh, because first of all, it's so personal. Anybody that goes into music expecting fame and riches, uh, I can assure you that 99.9% of them will never ever find it, okay? They might find a certain level of, of a satisfaction and achievement, you know, that, that may be all that they're really looking for. So, you know, it's good to dream big, but you have to be realistic about it. Uh, and, and, and there needs to be talent there. Uh, I remember you came to Cleveland and you tried to teach me with the, with two left feet how to dance. And I'm not, I'm not sure how you did it. I'm not sure how you didn't manage, to, you know, because I, I had to have been the worst, worst student ever. Yeah, Listen, I mean, Connie guided you. You were fine. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Enough that's that to kill us. You said left, I went right, but 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 the uh, but the intention was there. So so certainly when when it comes to music, uh, uh, you have to be open to you have to be open to try and uh, and and broaden your perspective. Tell dancers like find out what your intention is. You know what is your intention with your art, and have some goals, and then what is your strategy to get to meet those goals. And right now with the pandemic, it's really challenging for all of us artists to get our art out there. So we have to be even more creative, like you said, you know, just go with it. And some things come along the way that you just have to go with it. Um, so many of, of my mu music friends are from Italy and are baby boomers like me or younger. And um, most of my friends that uh, are attached to me and my Facebook page are those people that are in the music business, musicians, whatever, you know, and I, and remember the pandemic started earlier in Italy. It started at the beginning of the year, not even sooner than that. So, you know, I was already seeing some of the hardships that it was causing and it really made these people kind of stop and reflect and reevaluate, okay, what are we going to do? And one of the things that came out was the singing on the balconies. Remember I was just going to say that that was actually That's beautiful. I watched that. And so many people came out and just sang 
no matter what it was, it was just a way for people to gather and be together and know that you're not alone. You know, I think right. that's what music and dance, all of these art forms tell us as a society is that you're not alone and we need each other. And then the proliferation of Zoom. I never heard of Zoom before 2020. And all of a sudden bands were taking and were performing uh, as a band because they had through Zoom, yeah, through Zoom because they don't they they had the proper audio equipment, professional equipment that one could play the you know the the, the piano, one could play the guitar, one could sing, one could play the drums, and, and so they they found another way. Resilience is probably going to be the the, uh, the most important characteristic, the, the most important requirement. You know, a, a kind of stick to itness that, that you just cannot get uh, depressed or you know, consolate. You have to you have to continually continually look on the bright side of things. And as I tell people, when you wake up, it's already a good start, isn't it? That's right. You woke up on the right side. <laughs> Um, and I always say we have that uh, the show must go on mentality. Uh, we as dancers have been using Zoom to record our work. Yeah. Um, I had a few dancers the other day. Um, there was a hotel here in, in Pennsylvania that allowed just a couple dancers. We wore masks and they cleaned the room and the whole bit just so that we could record and videotape one of the dances because we're going to be giving a virtual concert. Um, since we can't go to festivals this summer, um, we're going to be right. doing a, a virtual concert on my Facebook page and on the website. So uh, I have one other dancer and myself that's going to be doing a duet that we're going to be doing at the end of August. And then Labor Day weekend, we, instead of going to Clarksburg, West Virginia, my hometown, um, they've decided to do their festival virtually, which is really different and exciting. I'm glad we're going to be doing something because as you know, many festivals were canceled or postponed or whatever until next year. So they will be doing sort of like a television show um, where they can have artists go on and we're sending in recordings and things like that. So they're going to be broadcasting a show basically on Italian culture. And then some of the restaurants are doing takeout and, you know, curbside <laughs> service. So Thanks. we're still going to have a festival in a way, but it's just going to be at a distance. A little different. That's okay. What I heard you say, and I, I heard you say resilience. That's right. That, no matter that's what. Always, what it reduces to, it's always, you know, the resilience, you know, the, the intent. And if you have that focus, if you have that goal, then you have something that you can shoot and try to, you know, to, to attain. Absolutely. But the flexibility always... has to be there too, though, where you can you know, make changes and adapt, adaptability, I suppose. Is also oh my gosh, flexibility, adaptability. You listen, there's, I can't tell you how many times I've walked in to perform or to teach a lesson and all the lesson plans go out the window because, you know, something didn't work out. Um, especially when I'm doing musicals, if I'm choreographing for a musical and something doesn't work because of a costume or because of the staging, or there's a prop that didn't work out that we thought was going to work. <laughs> you have right. to just go with it and be able to be flexible to change it on the spot. So 
the other thing I've learned is improvisation. I don't know about you, but every day is sort of an improvisation right now, right? Yep. Yep, we, it is. <laughs> you can't plan. <laughs> you can't plan anything. And so every day is like, well, what are we going to do today? What should we eat? What do we have left? <laughs> it's different every day. It is different every day. And, but I think that's something about being creative. I think we rise to that challenge and we love finding you know, answers to new problems, if that makes sense. We, we accept the challenges. We accept the challenges. We're like, bring it on. We can take it all. And we as choreographers love that problem solving because if something doesn't work in a dance, I'm always thinking, well, let me walk around to the back of the stage. Maybe I need to look at it from a different perspective. So I think that's another life lesson I always tell dancers, you know, Maybe you just need to look at it in a different way. Changing your perspective changes your mind sometimes. Connie brought a cookbook out. We're in uh -oh. trouble. We're in trouble now. Simple, great summertime salad. Okay, it's called Insalata di finocchio con arancio. Okay, so it's fennel and orange salad. Okay. So, so the ingredients are two large fennel bulbs, about a half, one and a half pounds, two sweet oranges, two scallions for garnish, and then the dressing would be four tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. Don't skip on olive oil. Always no, never. Two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice and some salt and freshly ground black pepper. Simple. Okay. Very simple. That's not a lot of ingredients, okay? It's, it, you know, not a lot. So what you do is you wash the fennel, the, the bulbs, and, and remove any of like the brown or stringy outer, you know, leaves and stuff. Edges and leaves, yep. Yeah. So, so you clean up nice, and then you slice the bulbs and stems into thin pieces. I suggest if you have a mandolin, you can adjust, that you can adjust the thickness to. Those are great, but don't cut your fingers off. When you right. <laughs> We won't okay. be able to play the accordion later. <laughs> right, right. So then you put this in a shallow bowl. So then, then you take the oranges and with a, you know, the really sharp knife, you know, cut away the white pith and you slice it thin. So each uh, slice, in, you know, take each slice into thirds. So you're going to cut it kind of fancy, but not. It won't make it's it on the, the, the family that's coming over, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and so you arrange the fennel and, it, you know, you, you arrange it over the fennel and, and you just add any of the juice from the oranges in there. And then uh, what you do is then you make your dressing. Uh, so you mix the oil and the lemon juice together and then you season it with salt and pepper. And then you pour the dressing over the salad and you mix it really well. You slice the white and the green sections of the scallions really thin and you sprinkle it over the salad. And then you're good. good. You have an explosion of flavors in your mouth. It's I was very say, different. That orange, that's really different. So the recipe is it's it's originally from Sicily. Okay. Wow. You have a lot of like, that makes sense with oranges. the oranges. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And fennel, you can get you can get fennel all, anywhere pretty right. much. If you go like especially if you can go to like a nice if you shop local, sometimes you can find something local and get some nice you know it's a different flavor you know and you know you can even save the other part of the, the dill for maybe like some salmon or something you know some yeah seafood. that sounds good yeah yeah but it's a nice light salad and i made this years ago one time for something at work and since i work at a hospital the doctors went crazy for this thing 
And I'm like, it's just fennel and orange. Right. <laughs> you don't have that palette and you're not used to that. You know, you've introduced them to something new. We used to make a, a, a green, white, and red salad. It was green peppers, oh, yeah. onions, yeah. and tomatoes with just a little olive oil, like in seasoning. My salad as a child with like a piece of bread. Done. Oh, yes. And, and with the juices, did you dunk like the fresh bread in there? And it, oh, Carpetta for your Italian. It was Italian so good. Uh, you know, fresh, Italian, into uh, the, in, in, you know with, with the tomatoes, the juices of the tomatoes and the salt and the pepper and, and the oil. Exactly. And, you know, we didn't put vinegar in ours. We just used oil. Okay. And we did that. And, and, and you know, oh, my God. Like, Anna, it was so good. A bowl, no matter what it contained in it, whether it was pasta, <laughs> whether it was salad, whether it was, you name it, ice cream. You know what? A piece of bread would always do the finishing touch. I mean, you could put it from there yeah. and right onto the shelf, you know, without yeah. having to worry about it. Bread was, yeah, bread was life, you know? <laughs> but you, you could try it this summer. It's a nice, light, refreshing summer salad type of thing. It's just something different. She'll send you the recipe. Please oh. and thank you. I can post it. I love the orange touch because uh, when we went to Capri, we had a lemon pasta. And as soon as we came home, we was like, that's it. We have to have lemon everything. You know, you get on these kicks <laughs> of different palettes. And I tell you what, that was just, it was amazing. It was delicious. It was different. And we had all kinds of lemon dishes. So that yeah. was and, uh, that, that area. area of Italy, Campania, where you have Sorrento, Napoli, Capri, Ischia, Amalfitano, Positano. That's where the lemon, the lemoncello, the best right. in the world comes from. I mean, now that we've made all of our listeners exhausted and hungry. <laughs> well, I'm going to end our broadcast for today, but um, it was a joy and a pleasure to talk to two of you. It's always you. fun when we get together, and I miss you both very, very much. And I can't wait until all of this is better and the world heals so we can get together and have a real dinner and, and chat some more and, and visit with one another. I loved visiting Cleveland and Little Italy there and shopping with you guys and eating with you guys. So that is something I'm looking forward to on the other side of this rainbow. <laughs> it's what's going to get us through. And in the okay. meantime, look forward to the festivals again and just, you know, performing live and hearing laughter and, and applause rather than just silence on the other side of Zoom. You know, it's just weird. Right. It's just weird right now. I know. I, I have a feeling things, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But once it gets better, I think, I think we'll be all the better for it. That Absolutely. Kind of the proverbial, that which does not kill you, Anna, only it's makes you stronger. stronger. Right? Hey, if anything, I've gained a lot of skills that I'm posting on my on my resume and LinkedIn page. Right. <laughs> you know, we're learning skills each day and, and just trying to be better people each and every day and learning about things that being a better person in society and, and trying to step up and like you said, just share our culture and, and all the wonderful things that come with the Italian culture, the language, the food, the history, the architecture, the, the music and dance. I can't wait. Uh, both my husband and I will be cooking again all weekend. That's what we do on weekends is we love to cook together and, and make some different recipes for the week and try new things with what we have. And I'll post some pictures of our garden. It's starting to. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah, that sounds fun. Thank you so much for joining us today on the dance floor. I'm your host, Anna Harsh. And until next time, keep on dancing and moving on the dance floor.